Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. 7.33 left to play in the third. He's going to roll right. He's got a blocker in front of him. He's under pressure. But it's a pick! Peter Manuma picks it off. He's to the 10, the 5, and then down at the 4-yard line. Hawaii ball. That was big. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. That perfectly encapsulated the feeling of watching Hawaii and Nevada on Saturday. We were both doing it at at Big City Diner in Kailua. You're just sitting there. It's calm. You're kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. And then, bam, big play. The nervousness, and we were kind of joking about it at Big City Diner Kailua as well. The nervousness of what go, uh, of what was going on, that was one of those plays that made you feel like, okay, we're going to be all right. Mm. I don't know how you felt when, when we were watching it. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the game almost followed like the classic story curve. Mm-hmm. You have like the introductions, you've got like the character building, and then like some conflict and then you're starting to go up the hill a little bit and then all of a sudden like a meteorite hits and then boom like the energy just goes up Hawaii's 17 nothing at half right and then the uh the enemy if you will like at halftime gets together gets their game plan together and then they're coming back you're like good god is this (laughs) what's always gonna happen like Sauron's gonna get the ring or something like that this is very true and then all of a sudden, oh, okay. He throw uh, Peter Monoma gets that pick, and it looks like all is well. And we get that, you know, a score and then a field goal, get the falling action, and we goose egg them in the fourth quarter. Yeah. It kind of rode that natural uh, climax and then falling action curve that you would see in classic cinema. But at the end of the day, at, at the end of the day, Josh, we got to win. We did. Um, it is also a reminder, in in those kinds of movies, um, the bad guys never win. Amen. With the exception of that, uh, the the Avengers movie Dude, with Thanos. Yes, um, uh, Infinity War. <laughs> That's right. When everyone died, was it everyone or half? Uh, it was mean, like half the world disappeared. But the way that they made it seem, it seemed like everyone died. This is true. Um, we were not going to let that be the repeat uh, on Saturday. <laughs> Because we know sometimes the bad guy does and win. you know what? You could almost trace it. And I know we'll get into a lot of uh, this game today. Yes, we will. But um, you could almost trace it directly to that huddle that Timmy Chang held. After the Verdell Edwards disqualification. Right, in the third quarter. And or I should, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say disqualification. It was ejection. ejection, which ejection. There's, a, there's a big difference to that I, I learned over the weekend. Yep. Um, Timmy literally brought the entire team together, staff, uh, trainers, assistants, everybody included, and let them have it. And it was, to me, we weren't there, obviously, so I can't give you a, hey, this is what I heard. (laughs) Um, But it looked to me like we have this team beat. Do not let us beat ourselves. We were clearly better than them. Yes. Clearly better than them. And, like, they showed their true colors, they beating uh, Nevada as one of the worst teams in our conference. We almost allowed ourselves to stoop to their level. Yep. 
in our conduct. Um, thankfully, not, I wouldn't say, with our play. It, it really didn't. We didn't turn the ball over. Um, we handled ourselves situationally from a football perspective pretty well. It was the Manini little chippy stuff after the game that we talked about pregame, Josh, That's and right. countdown to kickoff. When you're on a mediocre to bad team, that starts to permeate into a locker room. When you don't have a clear vision on what you're playing for, hey, it's even in the Bible where there's lack of vision, the people fail. Mm-hmm. When you don't have that as you're we're heading in that direction, you lose that um, elevated sense of we aren't going to go there across the board, and you just start doing dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked like Timmy grabbed the reins of the team in that moment and said, no, we're we're finish, finishing this thing out, which I'd love to see. While love to see it. While we're on that, let, let's stay there. We can, yeah. we can, since we're there, we'll get to some of the other stuff in the game in a moment. I know there's a lot of people who talk about discipline, right? Yep. And, uh, you know, whether the team shows that they have discipline or, um, you know, the, the coaching staff shows discipline, that was needed. And I think for everyone to see, because there are people who get the impression that this team does not have discipline, that the coaches don't, um, you know, don't hold their guys accountable for you know some of the unsportsmanlike stuff or things like that. And so to see Timmy Chang as yep. they're winning, grab everybody and say enough. Yep. Uh, you know, I, basically, um, and you saw that you didn't see that stuff again. No. For the rest of the game. That's right. I think that was a message unintentionally to all of those people who say he doesn't have a handle on his team. He doesn't have a grasp on his team. He doesn't make guys accountable. I feel like that was one of those things that said, you know what? I, I do know when to, to, to crack the whip on my team. I do know when to set them in their place. And That's he right. did. And it worked. Uh, it was the exact same spirit that we saw at practice from two weeks ago before the San Jose game, honestly. Unfortunately, it didn't translate to the game that week. But for those of us like myself who was at practice, that level of line in the sand, and you can either be on this or you're not, mm-hmm. that was established that week. Um, and, you know, it, it it's funny, Josh. I... I I think to a moment like that, I think back to times of all the the huddles and things that I've been a part of. It's not just the coach yelling at a team or a coach calling you to a standard. There's a reason a huddle is a circle. You look around and you see the other guys in your circle. Yeah, You're accountable to them. That, to me, me personally as a player, was always 10 times more powerful than being accountable to a coach. You show up on time so that your teammates don't run. You do the extra thing so that your brother wins. That's the beauty of teamhood. It's me going the extra mile so that you win. Um, And I think in that moment, mixed in with the fact that some good things were happening. Okay, Uh, I talked with John Ursua a couple weeks ago about this just from a, a friend perspective on dude, how do you motivate a team when they don't have belief? Because once belief creeps into a locker room, there is not much you can do. Yep. There's not much you can do. You're you're poking a dead horse at that point. But in that moment, 
of that game against Nevada, we had a lot of great things going on offense. We had some momentum going in our direction. And we, I'm speaking on behalf of the players, I'm sure they felt like, hey, we can beat this team from a position to position, different uh, uh, position groups across the board. We are winning our matchups. And on the scoreboard, we're ahead. Let's tighten the screws and finish this thing out. That combined with Timmy calling to a higher standard, that belief was there. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, instead of, you know, it, it, it's tricky. I listen to the fans' voice. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's so easy to say, ah, you know, Vernal Edwards, that's on the coaches for not, you know, giving the, the guys uh, enough discipline. We'll, we'll get that's into unfair. The, it's unfair. Uh, I want to I want to get into the Verdell thing at a, you know later on the okay. show. Okay. Um, but uh, discipline is not just on Timmy; it's on each player, and it's what kind of a player do you want to be? What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? That was one of our last words uh, before uh, John and Mark took over um, on Saturday, and. It looks to me like this Hawaii football team still has fight left in them. You know what it is, um, and, and I'll go back because I was listening to the fans' voice just as as you were, and yep. I, it was talked about a little bit this morning uh, with with Chris and Gary. Is it, it, it's it's almost scripted. If the team was winning, people wouldn't say, "Why doesn't Timmy Chang have control of his guy?" People wouldn't say that. If they were winning, right. people would look specifically at Verdell Edwards, and, and some did, but people would say, okay, this is on Verdell Edwards. What is he doing? This team is doing well. Why, you know, why are you messing with that? Why are you doing these things? Why are you being selfish? But it is easy when a team is struggling and there is already pressure on right. a head coach to see that and pile on the head coach because some people – the fanatics take the fan way of it, which to me is also the easy way out. So and easy. they go that direction instead of looking at, okay, well, um, look at that moment and you tell me as you see that interaction, as we watched it, as you see that interaction and say, that's Timmy Chang's fault. And you look at that one minute of time that's right. and you say, that's, that's the coach's fault. And when things aren't going well, Everyone, myself included, you can't help but start to wonder, okay, where is the source? Mm-hmm. What's the reason for maybe why we're not winning? And you know what, Josh? We're going to begin the show on a Monday with the answer. You ready? I'm ready. It's the mass exodus of our, all of our seniors that we should have had right now from two seasons ago. Everyone, if you're in your car right now, please just turn this up. Turn this up. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. We would have been competing for the Mountain West Championship this year. Had what happened did not happen, Shevin Cordero is still our quarterback. Darius Muastau is still our middle linebacker, probably with Logan Taylor to his side. Uh, Jonah Lualu is our starting nose tackle. Yeah. Nick Mardner is on the outside catching touchdowns from Shevin. Uh, maybe um, Dede Hunter is still here as well. The best UH teams throughout our time have always been led by a strong group of seniors. And sure, transfer portal happens, but we would have had those guys this season and would have been building to something that probably would have come to a head right now. That 
is why things aren't going well right now. We are still in the midst of a vicious rebuild. Yeah. Vicious. When you consider uh, other schools, what they've gone through, they probably would have cut football had they gone through what we went through. And this vicious rebuild is no surprise to anyone unless you lived under a rock. Because we talked about it so much. Everybody talked about it unless you were one of those predicting an eight-win season for this team. Yep. And you were completely unaware and blind. Everybody was predicting three wins. Mm-hmm. We're right where people predicted we, we would be. Now, the great thing is we still got games in front of us. We're not having to win the last game of the season to get to, to get to three. And this is the also beautiful thing where we're at, Josh. Air Force lost last week. That's right. To a to a not very good Army team. That's right. They're we see you guys in the phones. We'll get to you in a moment at 808-296-1420, by They're, the way. Go ahead. Yeah, you're good. They're coming here. We could beat them. Yeah. That's why we play the game. We could beat them. We go to Wyoming. I'm going to Wyoming, by the way. Oh, hey. Yeah. You're going to get to go to Laramie before I ever do. Bro, I'll uh, I'll experience cold for the both of us. Okay, cool. It's It's far-fetched. We could win there. Yeah, and we could win at home against seeing, Colorado State. Seeing Wyoming's offense and how it, at times anemic it can be. And what do you know? If we finish the year at six and seven, they're going to want us at the Hawaii Bowl. If it's allowed, of course. If it's allowed, of course. I'm just. But actually, my understanding is there are still teams that could be ahead of Hawaii okay. at six and seven, and I believe the first. People would be let's let's say a, a James Madison, okay. because James Madison is technically in its transition. But uh-huh. I've understood that if they have a winning record and there are still not enough bowl teams, a team like James Madison and I think Liberty is the other one, they would have first right. Interesting. Uh, and then and then you go down six and seven. APR has something to do with it too. Okay. After the fact, uh, but I've been I've been given the impression that those teams would be over Hawaii as long as they have a, a plus 500 record. Let's say hi to Paul here at 808-296-1420. Paul, what's up? I'm first. Yeah. Uh, you sound uh, shocked. Gonna, you know what? All around athlete, why are you ruining it? Never mind about those guys already. We, we, we gave Chevron last week. Never mind about those guys. You know this this victory looks forward. Paul, not you know, the day. And, and we, we're saying we're saying not the day, dude. Seven would be yeah, fantastic it, for us today. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's the story. Anything else we yeah. want to point to? It's just not worth yeah. it. That's that story got, is stronger. We got the win. We got the win without those guys. Never, never mind about. They, they got talked to enough already, and we're on a good track right now. You know, we're, we're even seeing, you know, I had a, an opinion about the disciplinary. We've seen it in a different light this time around. Yes, Edwards was right. Talk, get in front of the the, the, the referee's face. Of, you know, we're getting too many bad calls. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. You just said Verdell Edwards was right for doing what he did? Yeah, he was yeah. right for costing his team two half the distance uh, penalties, uh, and that led to a touchdown. Well, I'll, I'll, albeit the other part of that conversation was the muffed uh, punt. You're telling me that he no. was right for costing his team two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties and getting ejected from the game. Can I can that I get is, that correct there? That that part, uh, you know, that's never right. But you just said he was right for doing it. 
yeah, you know, okay, so we're on the right track. You know, what we saw with that, though, you know, that has to be nurtured. Like, like I was trying to say, we get the Hawaii calls. We always get the Hawaii calls. You know, it only happens to us. And what we saw with, he's a, remember, he's a team captain. He got in the face of that ref, and maybe that needs to be done. Maybe no. these refs need to be nurtured. No, no. you no. never do yeah. that, man. Yeah. No, I, I, no, I, I, no. I, is, is, as a former player, uh, no. you never go after a ref, my friend. No, and, ever. And, and thanks, Paul, for the call. I'm sorry, I, I can't, I can't do this any longer. I'm sorry. No, you don't have any reason to be jawing in front of a referee. None. Full stop. We're not going any farther with that. During college. No. Yeah. Even in pros. Well, yes. Um. You're still an amateur athlete. No. I, honestly, uh, yeah. There was something else he said, and I'm sorry. I'm so annoyed with that. I just don't remember what he said after that. Um, no. And I'm not. I'm not gonna let that fester. That is not a. That is not a conversation point. That is not a debate. Nothing. By the way, he's the guy that, and I, and we'll get to you back on the phones here in a second. He is the guy that is like. The, the 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 Todd Graham was not the problem guy. He's that guy in social media. Just letting you know. Um, let's continue this before before I get a little more annoyed. Uh, you can uh, tune into the Timmy Chang Show Wednesday, 6 p.m., Ruby Tuesday, the Moana Lua Shopping Center. You can listen right here. Join us at Ruby Tuesday in Moana Lua or uh, watch the rebroadcast on K-High. Uh, Thursday nights. We'll get back to the phones coming up. It is uh, Off the Bench, ESPN Honolulu. Should we go to the Zephyr Insurance text line, Hunter? Yes, we should. I need... um, Let other people uh, say what you and I are already thinking. Yeah, sometimes I just need some positivity in the things that we do. For example, uh, Keanu... Uh, well, this thing just totally took away the text here. Uh, but Keanu saying, uh, quote, you can tell some people have never played sports. No player can go after an official. Thanks for cutting that conversation off immediately. Oh, I know what it was. I know what he, what it was that he said that um, I took umbrage with that pushed me to the edge of wanting to end that conversation. I'll, I'll share that in a moment. Um, one more from the 233. I commend you two for handling calls from Paul every day. I always got to stop listening until he's done. <laughs> Poor guy. Here's 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 the thing that drove me over the edge was the whole uh, we Hawaii calls, meaning that we don't get calls, we don't get we don't get the benefit of the uh, of the doubt from referees. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Stop with the bleeping excuses. Hawaii has lost games because of themselves. Referees have not cost Hawaii games. No. Hawaii lost that close game against San Diego State, not because of the officials, but because they turned it over a ton of times. Five times. Yeah. Um, Hawaii lost against UNLV at UNLV because they couldn't stop UNLV's offense. Hawaii UNLV lost. was fantastic. Hawaii lost at New Mexico, not because of penalties, but because um, they couldn't stop New Mexico. They couldn't stop the run. And we couldn't score. Hawaii lost at Oregon 
Because Oregon. Uh, Oregon's. Hawaii lost at San Jose because, uh, well, we didn't score a thing. There you go. I see you guys on the phones. We'll get to you in a second here. Um, I don't care what ref is out there. He's not going to have any part to play in 35 to nothing. Right. So the seven losses that Hawaii has this year, none of those seven can be contributed to people wearing black and white striped shirts. Stop making the excuses. You know, the other cool thing about refs is that they actually can be an asset, Josh. Mm -hmm. They can make calls that go, you know, on the other team, too. Yeah. (laughs) Believe it or not. That we benefit from. Believe it or not. um, Analu got about uh, 45 seconds. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Thank you. Um, Thank you, too, for just taking over on this issue and i praise you i praise uh in weeks and uh, games ago i told you guys my feeling patience yeah i'm patient <laughs> and i'm i'm happy i mean the performance this weekend was amazing regardless of uh you know a little bonehead stuff but hey that happens as we all know and hunter thank you for shutting it down <laughs> guaranteed and all of <laughs> Hey, thanks for calling in. Appreciate you listening. He's playing the long game just like we are. Yeah. With Hawaii football. Responsible people watching tracks of programs. And it's not just Hawaii. It's it's any program that's not named Georgia or Alabama, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Know that you have to play the long game, not the short game. You can't be greedy about it. And that's what I think some people have been. They've been kind of greedy about it. Um We'll talk about the things that we liked that we saw on the field for a change. We'll do that coming up. Don't forget to check out athletes at ESPNHonolulu.com. It's also on our YouTube page. Cole Mouseoff with food, friends, fun, conversation, all the good stuff. It is brought to you by Central Pacific Bank. Hawaii's best bank, sports center, including Monday night football updates. That's next off the bench. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco. A little bit later on, we'll do our Mountain West Power Rankings. I think I can guarantee uh, we've both taken Hawaii away from the bottom spot. Absolutely. Yeah. The question is, it's kind of like, um, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of Cliffhanger, the uh, the Price is Right game. How far up the cliff did they go? Mm. Although it's different. Going down the cliff is what this is. Going up the cliff and cliffhangers on the prices right is usually bad. So I uh, I think that to me, you're bringing up a good point. What Hawaii football team do we get? Because it's not the same. It's not the same team every week. No, no. That that team that took the field this last Saturday was not the same team that took the field against San Jose. How would you describe before we get into kind of like the back and forth? How how, how would you describe the team that you saw on Saturday? Because I'm trying to, and I don't want to be, I, I want to be honest on the assessment. Yeah, because I think we know part of it. Nevada looked awful. offensively awful until about a, a, a decent chunk of of the uh, the second half. Well, until they put AJ Bianco in. That's right. And he started getting out of the pocket. That's right. He started pulling. And when UH is running cover two and cover two man, that leaves a ton of room for a scrambling quarterback. And that's literally been our Achilles heel all season. Mm-hmm. Poffenbarger, UAlbany, uh, Pavia, whenever we played New Mexico State. 
um, whenever we played Chev, although Chev didn't pull it and run a whole lot. Right. Um, and then this last week with uh, A.J. Bianco, scrambling quarterbacks give linebackers fits. So it, that, that, that's been a, a tough thing for our defense. And, yeah, to, to be fair across the board, Hawaii was pretty characteristic, pretty characteristically Hawaii with being slow out of the gate. Mm-hmm. No points in the first quarter. But luckily, same thing for Nevada. Right. That first quarter was a sleeper. Sleeper of a game. Let's just call it what it is. Uh, it was uh, not all that much fun to watch. Um, later, we started to started to jive a little bit. It looked like uh, Shager found some confidence, uh, got him going with a couple of rhythm throws, and they were able to build from there. Um, it looked like defense had juice. That was a difference to me, was defense had uh, some fire, and uh, Tufanga made that beautiful uh, behind uh, punch strip, right? Which we uh, recovered that fumble, and then uh, Manuma later in the game came up with the uh, the pick, almost a pick six, as you heard right there at the top from John. So, and then uh, special teams was solid with uh, a couple of big kicks from Shipley down the stretch. Um, I I almost included all of special teams being good, but we also <laughs> had a we also yeah. had a muff punt. Uh, bigger. Bigger grand scheme of things, um, it was. So, yeah, on, on, on some things, it was kind of typical with what we've seen. Um, but we were able to shine because we were playing a worse team. So there's that. But then there were some, some noticeable things offensively um, that reminded me of some games where we had some things clicking. Uh, I think mainly of uh, the Vandy game. I think of... San Diego State game, and then also the second half of that uh, New Mexico State game. Those were probably our three most solid offensive performances of the season, and the Nevada game was closer to that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, honestly, Josh, it it almost feels like do we have a team that has the will to win, and then do we have – a little bit of the execution. I think that that's fair. Do we have a little bit of the execution to help get that accomplished? Um, but I think it's also fair to say the wins, if they are to come for Hawaii this season, we, we need help. Yeah. You know, I want to go back to something that you mentioned a few minutes ago, but also we talked about on, uh, on countdown to kickoff on Saturday, um, a defense that did what it hadn't done all year. The takeaways uh, and and also credits to the Hawaii offense for not really giving it away. Big time. But the takeaways, Hawaii's defense was a tone setter. Even though the offense didn't put up points in the first quarter and it took a little bit for that offense to get going, the defense still set the tone by giving Hawaii's offense time to kind of rev up and get going. Nevada's running game was anemic. They couldn't throw the football. Um, you know, it, it it was refreshing to see. There were some penalties here and there that were, you know, that were kind of tough, and Hawaii didn't help itself at times, but they did enough to ensure that Nevada would not be in a position to to score points on this team. And um, you know, I, I I think it was appreciative to watch. Because they were the group that was questioned more than any other. 
question more than the offense because the offense showed bright spots. The defense couldn't stop a run to save its life. They did. They did Saturday. The pass game didn't beat them. Hawaii's offense would control time of possession. I think they had it for nearly 21 minutes in the first half. And the defense got its rest. The defense was able to be aggressive. And if not for that, I don't know if we're talking about the same game. It was important. Defense can win championships. You've heard that adage before. You know, we're not talking about championships here. We're talking about just winning games. But this was a championship-level defense that we saw against Nevada. While Nevada played its own part in it, Hawaii's defense looked the part it needed to on that day. Yeah, I think it's it's a combination of both. Um, I had many people ask me, so was that more Nevada being bad or our defense being good? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> right. It's right. a combination of both. Um, you have to give credit where credit's due because Hawaii did goose egg Nevada in that first half, and they did make tackles. They made plays. They made that fumble happen. Unless you have a defense out there, that won't happen. So we, we do have to give um, sort of that honoring mm-hmm. uh, where it is due and I think it's fair to say with that being said certainly with uh, w- with the scoring that was our defense's best performance all season and being around football as long as I have it's so fascinating to me how the game from an emotional standpoint is almost single-handedly dictated by the defense whenever they make a huge stop the crowd goes crazy uh, you get a turnover uh, the 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 thing that happens after a big hit or uh, it, there's just something carnal um, that charges a team differently than scoring a touchdown. Um, that's why like that that adage about a great defense can win a championship. It's because it is the the foundation on which everybody else stands. You know, I want to say one more thing about the defense. I, I know John's holding on. We, we want to stay on subject, which is why we haven't taken John. I want to finish the conversation here on UH football before um, we go any further. Um, I want to give Peter Manuma credit. Or oh, John's yep. gone? Okay. I want to give Peter Manuma credit. I have been one of his bi- biggest critics over the course of the year. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of it has been just kind of like the the sh- the unnecessary showmanship at times. Um, it has seemed at times like he has, you know, he's he's allowed. He, he's he's how would I how would I put it? Um, awareness, I think, at times has been lacking, especially after plays. But this was the best game Peter Manuma played. I believe this week he was in control of himself. He, I, I remember a play where I don't, I don't remember if it was a running play or a passing play out kind of line line of scrimmage side to the left yeah. side of the field. And he raced through it was a running play. I think it was, he raced through right toward the sideline, right toward the boundary made a solid tackle, um, you know, and, and showed emotion where it was necessary, got back and went to the next play, the interception. Yep that he got down inside the five yard line. This was, this was the most disciplined he was and his play backed it up. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm happy for him because you know, it's, it's been very easy to be critical of him, but he stepped up. He really did. And you know, it's, it's a combination of a few things I think for him where you've got a young kid who's been through a lot. Family member died last Mm -hmm. season. Um, 
overcame a lot to do that and is still considered kind of an underclassman if you can if you look across the board true and anytime an underclassman is looked upon or leaned upon to be a leader more is expected of you and if you've never been that before it's uh something that you don't naturally just kind of fall into that there's a, a different level of expectation and then throw on top of there the hair <laughs> yeah that yeah. you can't miss him Anytime you got a Polynesian guy who kind of resembles Troy Polamalu and is playing safety, you're going to be watching him. Why hasn't Head and Shoulders reached out for an NIL? Give it time. <laughs> well, he needs to get into the NFL first Amen. so he can uh, be the next Troy Polamalu. That, that, there might be an opportunity to uh, piggyback off of their marketing strategy for a uh, maybe a local company out here. If you uh, make your own shampoo, give Peter Monum on a call. I was about to say, does any local company make shampoo? And then I realized maybe you can find it at Whole Foods. Or a farmer's market there you of go. some sort. There you go. But yeah, they'd have to probably uh creator directly to peter in that nil contract but uh it, it could be out there um i bring all that up just because it's good to keep in perspective and i would agree with you he handled himself like the leader we need him to be yeah um that that team is uh, that defense is logan taylor's defense and with him exiting earlier this season we've been looking for that next guy to kind of take his place and Peter played at a level and conducted himself this last week that it might be him. It might be uh, one more here from the two, eight, two. How come Elijah Robinson, Tariq Jones and sauce Williams don't play more. They look really good. Do they still have eligibility left? I mean, I don't know how many snaps they took. I don't think we get to see those stats, but I mean, I recall, I don't remember Elijah Robinson. I, I do recall Tariq Jones and sauce Williams in yep. there. Um, I think it could Sauce very, had a TFL, too. I think you're right. I mean, it, it could very well just be rotation, defensive rotation. Um, it may not have anything to do with, with anything, frankly. But um, there's usually a reason for that. I don't think it has anything to do with eligibility. Nope. I mean, yeah, on the D-line, you got John Tuitupo, you got Jonah Kahaha, Vibe Welch, and then you also got um, Andrew Choi. Right. Um, so the, the, there's a bunch of hats that need time out there to try to stop the run. It's just that's part of uh, playing defense. Um, coming up, Liz is having a sneezing fit in the other room. And oh, we, no. We have to see it. You okay over there? She's good. She's good. All right. Sorry. I mean, we're, you know, I know we're not supposed to, like, bring that up necessarily on the show, but we care. We do. We, 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 see, uh, we see in the camera one of our own in, in, in a little bit of distress. We're 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 gonna care. She's a little embarrassed right now. She's just so she's turning red. But we care. So we'll take time out of our conversation to wonder if you are okay. And she seems to be okay. Uh, our M Dyer Global scoreboard is brought to you by M Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Monday night football's over on our sister station, CBS fifteen hundred. Chargers have a seven nothing lead on the New York Jets. A uh, punt return touchdown is what has the uh, the Los Angeles Chargers on the board. By the way, um, I you, you did hear me uh, talk about this with you earlier. Um, I need a lot from Austin Eckler today. How many, you ask? I need 24 points from Austin Eckler today. Um, because as he runs currently toward the end zone for a touchdown. Nice. Thank you. Austin Eckler and just there's a flag. Put, just no, no, don't, don't <laughs> take this back. I need these points. 
Um, he had 23 last week. So uh, we're saying there's chance. Uh, but he's got a grand total of 3.3, uh, not knowing what this is going to be here on the field. You know who didn't need 23 points? You. I beat Gary with 66 points. I, I beat Gary Dickman with 66 <laughs> points in fantasy. <laughs> wow. Isn't, isn't he the guy that used to host the fantasy football show? I don't know, but I beat him with 66 <laughs> points. And by the way, the touchdown stood. So nice points coming. Uh, but that's uh, that's going on at our sister station, CBS fifteen hundred. And oh, uh, one more thing going on. By the way, today is the official start of college basketball. Woo! We have men's games today. There was a women's game that was played um, overseas. I think I think it was uh, Notre Dame in South Carolina. Uh, was was played overseas today, and that was a blowout in favor of uh, of South Carolina. Uh, but if you're looking for anything worth noting uh, when it comes to the top 25 scoreboard uh, in college basketball, uh, Michigan State's losing. They're ranked fourth in the nation. Granted, it's nine to four to James Madison. It's not. Uh, it's not much. Every top 25 team other than that is winning, and you know why? It's because they're playing absolutely nobody. <laughs> For example, Hunter, can you tell me uh, American University? Can you tell me the mascot name for American University? <sighs> Better yet, can you tell me where American University is? <sighs> no. Outside of the uh, the obvious, America. Yeah. No idea. Washington, D.C. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, I should have guessed that. <laughs> Uh, usually it is the um, it, it, usually it is the uh, the exhibition games where we learn about a bunch of these nobodies. But yeah, these these opening games tell us a little bit about some of these uh, nobodies too. Except for the fact we had Can- uh, Kansas State and USC a little bit later. That's a win. Anyway, um, those are just some of the things going on. And oh, by the way, they took away the touchdown from Austin Eckler. That's okay. He just got in again. Uh, 13-0 Los Angeles Chargers, 2.49 to go in the first quarter. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global. Always on the move. It is off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Good to have you in. Um, power rankings coming up in, uh, in just a little while. Where do we put Air Force after? <sighs> yeah. Well, the good news for Air Force is they're still unbeaten in conference. The bad news is the Mountain West is now unlikely to get a uh, college football uh, playoff New Year's Six Bowl invite. As long as James Madison is still where they are. Uh, and and uh, and Tulane. Tulane. Well, Tulane's got one loss, too. But uh, as long as that situation's there, Air Force ain't going anywhere. Except potentially the L.A. Bowl hosted by Gronk. Gronk. That's where the Mountain West champion goes. Believe it or not. Uh, it used to be Jimmy Kimmel. But uh, Jimmy Kimmel's no longer on that. Gronk was all they could find? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You sound so surprised. I am. Like, is, is Gronk some kind of uh, C-lister now to you? Kinda. Wow. Wow, no love for Gronk. Yeah, I- just call it the L.A. Bull. It's L.A. You need celebrities. That's what it is. Man, 
I know a lot of schools, probably Air Force included, that's like, yeah, we're going to the L.A. Bowl, and we'll refuse to say the second half of that. You know what it is, uh, by the way, because we're actually obligated too. When um, we are obligated because we air the games, uh, mm. we have uh, we have the LA Bowl hosted by Gronk this year oh, gotcha. on ESPN Honolulu. So I'll say um, the whole thing then. Yeah, part of our <laughs> um, minimum twenty-two game bowl schedule, uh, most anywhere, that um, you have to mention the sponsor with the uh, the name of the bowl. So, for example. Um, there have been some long ones in the past. Uh, Pop-Tarts Bowl is probably the, uh, the the shortest of them. I'll play in that one. Yeah, Pop-Tarts. Um, the longest one is usually the Rose Bowl game presented by Prudential. That's a, that's one this year. That's a mouthful. Yeah. the uh, I think the longest we actually have outside of that is the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl because nothing says pinstripe like lawnmowers. Bad Boy's... Bad Boy Mowers. Bowl. Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. Bad Boy Mowers. Yeah. Now, it's the Pinstripe Bowl <laughs> because it's played at Yankee Stadium. Yep. Um, it made sense when it was New Era. New Era makes a whole bunch of caps. Totally. And, you know, New Era caps with the Yankee logo on Fits. it and all sorts. Yeah. Fits. Um, Bad Boy Mowers. It, it, it doesn't... Uh, it doesn't have the same feel. Or, you know, one that doesn't have the same feel because it makes no logical sense. The Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. Ew. Because there is no citrus-flavored che- no. uh, Cheez-Its. And I don't want to try that. <laughs> Actually, I would. Biting into a Cheez-It and it's like squirting orange. I, I would. Ugh. I mean, you know me by now. Yeah. I would. I would try the weirdest things just to try the weirdest things. That would be one. I'd, I'd take one. If I hated it, I could at least say, you know what? I tried it. I gave it my best effort. What was that weird flavored chip you and I tried this year? The weird flavored chip. Um, and by the way, this show, we usually have a bag of chips here every day. Not, yeah. not the big kind. We're not, we're, we're not like gluttonous over chips. It's not like the small, um, like the fun size bag. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, today's bag of chips is the... Uh, uh, limon flavored chips. Limon that uh, that I found at the at a uh, vending machine en earlier français, today. Si vous plaît, limon. That also gave me two because one was stuck. Mm. Um, what was it? I want to say it wasn't the the all dressed flavored chips, was it? No, no, it it was. Something- oh, there was a ketchup flavor okay. and a mustard flavor. That's what it was. It was a ketchup. Uh, it was it was Doritos. Yes. One was a ketchup flavor. One was a mustard flavor. There was it was like a spicy mustard. Yes, I liked it. It wasn't hor- It wasn't horrible. No, not at all. Yeah, that one that uh, Darren brought in that that other time that that was questionable. <laughs> I don't even remember that one. Yeah. I remember him bringing cookies. Yeah, I think there was like a. A weird cookie flavor. I it's oh, it was um, the Trader Joe's. Yep. Um, they didn't have the it was the Oreo was it the strawberry shortcake, strawberry lemonade, strawberry Trader lemonade. Joe's that's what cookies. it was. You hated it. Hated it. Everybody hated it except me. Ugh. I loved it because I, I had bought a, a package when we were in Vegas. I think it, no, it was a previous trip to Vegas before we came back, and I I got that from Trader Joe's. Everyone at home, picture a sour cookie. That's what that was. That's not stale. 
Ugh. Hey, check out the Craig Angelus Show Thursday night at 6. It's at Velocity in Honolulu. There's food. There's valet parking. It's brought to you by the JN Group and H-Camp. Sports Center traffic next. Monday. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. He's Hunter Hughes. I'm Josh Pacheco. We are uh, we're with you all week. Uh, Friday we have a short show because of uh, Rainbow Wahine volleyball. Uh, so uh, we'll be with you every day. Full shows up until that point, which is you know we haven't done a lot of that recently. Warrior Gaga. You love that song. That's not bad. No, it's not. It's not their best one either. True. By the way, since I mentioned Wahine Volleyball, I, I, I don't want to spend time on this, but um, I was dismayed. Ooh, good word. The, uh, you know, seeing the Hawaii News Now story that was out there on the uh, police report that was filed uh, regarding some, I don't know if it was anonymous or whatever it was, but an email, a, a, a threatening email towards uh, the University of Hawaii uh, women's volleyball team. We don't know the contents of that, and and quite frankly, I don't want to know uh, the contents of it because I don't want to um, gratify it. But I I don't know. I don't know what drives you to that, and that's and that's kind of what I'm finding myself wondering is what drives someone to do that. the The report was filed at 10 p.m. Saturday night. The email was received the day prior. Um, it was filed by the women's volleyball coach. So it wasn't filed necessarily by the university. Uh, the UH says, uh, University of Hawaii says, uh, its Department of Public Safety is in contact with the athletics department and has been since the email was received. And according to Hawaii News Now, they are deferring to HPD's investigation and have the student safety as their main priority. So they're not um, really, really addressing it. Oh, it, it was this, a tough. This came after the loss on Friday. Uh, apparently, I don't know if it was after the loss or if it was during the day or, or whatever it is. I'm not entirely sure. It doesn't say exactly when uh, when it was sent. It was a tough weekend for for the volleyball team. You know, on a on a separate note, but I don't understand. Um, Get a life. Yeah, I don't understand what drives you to that. <laughs> I don't. I don't care. If there are people that that like or dislike Robin Amo, um, I, I don't I don't understand. Look, I we cover that team. I yep. don't I don't say this just because we cover that team. There are a lot of likable people on that oh, team. Um, of course, you know you have the 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 likely player of the year in the Big West in Amber IGD. There are a lot of um, you know. Players like like Riley. We talked to Kennedy Evans last week uh, for the noon show. Again, incredibly likable. Yeah. So what drives someone, you know, probably on their couch eating Cheetos, deciding, you know, I'm going to send some dummy email. And the, is the season over? No. <laughs> the still, season's not over. There's still uh, two more weeks left in the regular season until the Big West tournament. You know, I, I had a... a different conversation but it's kind of bringing it to mind this okay. is supposed to be called the aloha state mm-hmm. you know what really helps bring perspective is helping others mm-hmm. making it not about you 
not about your worldview, your tiny little peephole perspective on things. And when you're on an island, I think we naturally will gravitate towards a smaller worldview. Right. Because things are so immediate, things are smaller, they're within reach. Find a way to get beyond yourself and lend a helping hand, whether it's volunteering somewhere, helping your next-door neighbor bring out her her garbage or, or just something. Find a way to make it not about you. I see, you know, I hear this, and it's I guarantee it's an individual that has focused so heavily on something as, let's face it, in the in the grand scheme of the world, minute right. as UH Wahine Volleyball. Man, look beyond just yourself right now. And if you only knew, if you only knew the amount of hours that a, that a D1 coaching staff puts in on a week-to-week basis, the lower-level ones especially, like the, the, um, the GAs, and mm-hmm. uh, the, the lower assistants, it's sometimes like over 80 hours a week. Right. When was the last time you've ever worked 80 hours a week at any job without getting overtime? Mm-hmm. Let's keep it all in perspective here. And guess what? The season's not over. No. I've, I've heard that this has not just been an issue with volleyball. I've heard um, that this has been a concern elsewhere. But it, it takes... It takes a real low life to do something like that, and I and I hope they find this person, uh, and I and I hope they kind of embarrass him. Yeah, it's nothing to joke about either. No, no. Um, you know, we're talking about student athletes and and you know coaches responsible for him. It's it's not. It, it, I I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I didn't watch the news, but I saw a screenshot of it on social yesterday, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I didn't. I didn't even think it was real for a moment. Uh, but it turns out it was. I hope they get him. Uh, it, it takes real scum to do something like that. And, uh, you know, keyboard warriors, there are some real good people out there that type on keyboards and type on their phones. And um, there are some really, really dumb ones. So I hope I, I hope we get, you know, take care of those dumb ones. Um, it is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Can't tra- I can't transition out of that. I'm sorry. It's not, it's not possible to go. transition from... I hope they take care of the dumb ones yep. to Mount West Power Rankings. Yep. Need to find somewhere. I, That's I'm not, okay. I'm not enough of a professional for that. Occasionally on off the bench, we'll go off the handle if we need to. It's happened. It's already happened in this show once. See segment one. Yeah. Um, Mount West Power Rankings. There we go. Let's, let's go there. Uh, let's let's go bottom three while while we have a moment. 12 for you. I, I have Nevada back at 12. I had Nevada up at, uh, I, I, I think I had him up at 10 yep. last week. I had my, my bottom three was Nevada, um, I think I said Nevada, Hawaii, San Diego State. Yep. Um, yeah, Nevada looked awful, and Hawaii, <laughs> Hawaii deserves its due for that. Yep. But I do think some of that. Nevada looked at times pretty amateur, so Nevada's back is my worst team in the conference. Yep, me too. And, you know, in the same way that you could probably argue splitting hairs at the top, you could probably argue splitting hairs at the bottom because there's four different teams, four different teams that are one and four in conference. And Nevada is actually not one of those. Nevada is actually two and three in conference. (laughs) Yeah. 
because because they have those two wins before the uh, the Hawaii right, game against two others that are in the bottom four. <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, I, I think that we say it, and it's, it is kind of comical to be honest. Um, Nevada, after what we saw this last weekend, dead bottom, mm-hmm. dead bottom. So I think the best question is, who do you have at eleven? San Diego State. Yeah, me too. Um, San Diego State at least put up some points against uh, Utah State this weekend. It did have to go to double overtime, um, but Utah State did win 32 to 24. Uh, San Diego State is three and six. One more loss and bowl eligibility is gone for the Aztecs. And very likely Brady Hoke's job is also on the line if they find themselves not going to a bowl. Yep. There's, uh, there's a lot at stake there. I mean, y- y- there are there are expectations when you open up a new venue, and they certainly haven't hit them. So uh, that's uh, that's a storyline there. I have Hawaii at ten. Uh, you know, I, I think they they showed what they could potentially be. I don't I don't think that Hawaii looked like a team that could compete with the top of the conference, but Hawaii looked like a team that is on par uh, or better or should be better if they play up to their potential uh, than a San Diego State and a Nevada. You know, would you like a do-over against New Mexico? Sure you would. Um, But, yeah, that's kind of how I look at – where Hawaii was at after, uh, you know, after Saturday. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. There, there, there's there's five teams on the bottom. Okay, there's five teams. Uh, when you, it's not just record; it's it's overall performance. Nevada's on the the dead bottom. San Diego State is right after them, and then to me, you get kind of in that uh, just a click above those bottom two with the Colorado States, New Mexico, and Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So. I think we're a click above those bottom two. Ironically, San Diego State beat us, even though Hawaii yeah. beat ourselves that game. Yeah. Um, I have New Mexico at 10. Okay, okay. And I you have, have Hawaii at 9. Hawaii at 9. Okay. Actually, I recall I had Hawaii at last last time, so they, they move up a couple spots for yep. me. Yep. Um, go ahead. I, no, I, I was, no, I'm and sorry. Then, and then with that, Colorado State was going to be 8. Okay. So th- that, that's the bottom five right there. I uh, I'll, I'll give you a surprise. I still have Air Force as my top team in the Mountain West. Yep. And and here's why I didn't move them. Um, they beat themselves. Yep. Against Army. You know, I also realize it is a game in which there is so much on the line. The Commander in Chief Trophy, for those that don't know, is not just decided by uh, the Army Navy game. Um, the service academies do play each other. It's just, you know, Army and Air Force during the year, yep. Navy and Air Force during the year. Army, Navy is the culmination of it after championship week. So, um, you know, the the service academies, uh, you know, Air Force had an opportunity, and I was reminded of this uh, you know, last week. The, the service academies had, uh, or I'm sorry, Air Force had a real opportunity to win the Commander-in-Chief trophy if they had won that game. And they did not, and it was not close. You know that these teams play up in in those kinds of games, and uh, Army did. On the road, no less, Army did. 
So, uh, you know, I, I, I won't necessarily ding Air Force as much as you would expect them to. Um, you know, they do have the 17-6 win against Navy. They do have the 23-3 loss to Army. But I'm still putting Air Force at number one. ESPN bet has Air Force as an 18-point favorite. Uh, going into simplify, I'm not. I'm sorry. The Clarence Clarence T. Seaching Athletics Complex coming up on Saturday. Uh, wow. Circa, I think, had him at 16. ESPN bet has him at 18. Yep. I, I still have them at number one too. Oh, I, okay. I, I I like how the UFC does it. Uh, anytime a title belt is on the line, um, if you've got a tough fight and the champion doesn't necessarily look like he got handled or quote-unquote beat, like if it's a split decision, usually they give honor to the champion. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to dethrone the champion, you got to beat him. Like it's got to be a convincing thing. And with that being said, no one has beat Air Force Force yet. Air Force beat itself. Six turnovers. That's right. You can't win with six turnovers. Um, I have... UNLV at two. UNLV was uh, was convincing over the weekend, and uh, I I can't uh, I can't ignore that. UNLV has Wyoming, by the way, coming up this weekend. Uh, worth noting, and UNLV is a four point favorite at home. That game's on Friday, uh, but UNLV handled New Mexico on the road, fifty six fourteen. So I have UNLV at two. You have them at two, or do you have them at three or four? Yeah, I, I still have them at, at two. I had them at two last week. Um, I think that they are a click better to me and more fun to watch than yeah. Fresno and Boise. Um, however, with that being said, that Fresno-Boise State game was great. It was. 37-30. Yep. Um, that, and it kind of helped cement that next grouping of teams right there for us. I have Fresno three. Boise State four, Wyoming five, Me too. Um, San Jose State six, Utah State seven. Yep. And um, bowl eligibility, by the way, Boise State still not bowl eligible because uh, they're four and five. You know, they're three and two in conference, and that loss might have hurt their chances of a of a conference championship. Boise State still has to play Air Force. Uh, they can they can only afford one more loss. Uh, New Mexico and Utah State in the next couple of weeks may be a benefit for them. Um, Wyoming's bowl eligible, UNLV, Fresno State, Air Force. Um, that that's it right now. You got four bowl, um, uh, four bowl eligible teams right now. San Jose State can only afford one more loss. Utah State can only afford one more loss. New Mexico, San Diego State, and Colorado State need to win out. Mm. Mountain West may not actually get to uh, field all of their uh, their bowl obligations if if that turns out that way. So uh, we'll we'll see down the stretch. Your conference championship, as it stands right now, would be Air Force and Fresno State, if that uh, if that were to play out that way. All right, a um, couple of questions on our Zephyr Insurance text line. We'll get there coming up in a little bit. First, we uh, invite you to play uh, Pigskin Picks. It's at ESPNHonolulu.com. Uh, you can play for weekly prizes. If you haven't played yet, doesn't mean you can't. You can play one week at a time. You can play the rest of the year. Uh, you can win the grand prize, 1000 bucks at the end of the year. It is brought to you by M. Dyer Global and by Young's Fish Market. Traffic here. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu.
All right, Sports Center and traffic is coming up in a little bit. Hunter Texter from the 208. Ooh. What would be the best matchup for the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl? I mean, the best matchup is if Hawaii would be eligible. Oh, 100%. Um, but that doesn't appear that that's going to be the case. Um, this is what our good friend Brett McMurphy from the Action Network has uh, as his projection for the bowl game. Fresno State in Memphis, because it is a Mountain West versus American year, by the way. Fresno State, Memphis actually sounds like a a good bowl game. Mm. Uh, Memphis right now, if I have it correct, uh, seven and two, four and one in the American Conference. Just put up fifty nine on South Florida and beat them fifty nine to fifty. They're in the running for playing for the American Conference Championship, although there are three teams above them that haven't lost yet in conference, that being Tulane, SMU, and uh, UT San Antonio. Um, But, yeah, that's that's what the Action Network has. I had seen UNLV kind of uh, in that spot for a while. Uh, Okay, I'll put it this way. If there was a Mountain West team that you would want to see at the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl, Besides Hawaii. Besides Hawaii. Oh, man. I hate Fresno. <laughs> you know that. I do. <laughs> Just as much, if not more, than you hate BYU. Yeah. Totally understand. They who must not be named. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Every time that it's not Hawaii, I'm bombed. Mm-hmm. Of course. So as is the bowl, frankly. Yeah. Um I guess you could reverse engineer having Vegas come here, so UNLV. I would much rather have UNLV play the Hawaii Bowl than Fresno. Yeah, that makes sense. Um I don't know that you're gonna have a team that comes here twice in a year. Cause someone someone brought up the idea of San Jose State. And actually, you know what? We'll talk about this when we come back. I I, I want to give this a, a, a little more time because the idea of Shevin Cordero coming back here, is that good for the easy post Hawaii Bowl if that happens? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that coming up in uh, just a little while. We got traffic here. We've got Sports Center on the way. We're watching Justin Herbert throw passes to people who can't catch him. Uh, that's what we're seeing right now in Monday Night Football. Traffic, Sports Center on the way. It's off the bench. I said I wasn't going to wait to talk through it, and I, I did. I just couldn't help it. I understand. It's uh, It's been a day. It's off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Good to have you in, along with Hunter Hughes. I'm Josh Pacheco. We're watching uh, Monday Night Football, which you can hear over on our sister station, CBS 1500. It's also available on uh, ABC. The uh, Los Angeles Chargers are dropping passes, but still leading the New York Jets. Um which just seems like everything you could imagine and more for Monday Night Football to close out Week 9. We were talking earlier about, um, well, one of our texters was asking us who we thought would be the uh, the, the best matchup for the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. And I guess if not Hawaii, then then who would that be? The Americans going to give us someone good because 
Here are your bowl-eligible teams. Well, actually, there are four bowl-eligible teams at the moment in the American. Um, there will probably be at least one or two more. Tulane is 8-1. and one. They're a college football playoff uh, New Year's Six Bowl contender. We'll see the rankings tomorrow. SMU is 7-2. and two. They were kind of projected for this game a while back. UT San Antonio is 6-3. and three. They're recently new to, uh, to, to the uh, FBS scene. And then uh, Memphis is 7-2. and two. So those are the only four eligible teams out of the American right now. But we were talking about the Mountain West. And I had someone mention to me uh, over the weekend, um, the Hawaii Bowl would probably love to have San Jose State. Mm. Because Shevin Cordero would Siobhan. come back and, and play his final game. Kyler Halverson would, would come back. And that um, maybe that would be the draw for... Um, you know, for, for people to go to the bowl. The one thing that has been disappointing about the bowl is, and, and not the bowl being disappointing, the bowl at times has had good matchups if Hawaii has not been in it and people just haven't gone. Um, and I think that's the tough thing is that you want people to go. You want the bowl to be supported even if Hawaii is not in it. And, and unfortunately, that has not been reciprocated, even if the Bulls given some good stuff. I don't know if I, I mean, I don't think San Jose State would come to this bowl. And I don't, because they've already been here once. I don't know that you'll see a team come down here twice in a year. That's a, it's an expense. You've had fans that have already come down here once. Um, you know, a lot of times travel's involved, right? You want you want schools that will travel um, for their particular destinations, and I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that Chevin Cordero is enough to see to to make it seem like San Jose State is the best possibility to to play in the Hawaii Bowl. You see where I'm going at? I with do. It, right? I'm trying to think of other guys. Mm-hmm. UNLV hasn't come here. Nope. Fresno State's not a Hawaii opponent this year. If Dylan Gabriel won the Heisman in Oklahoma came over here, obviously we're, we're not. I'm, I'm more speaking of, of on the side of would what one person would be enough to draw a big crowd in Hawaii. Right, right. I'm just curious. I wonder if there is that. I mean, it would have to be a power conference team, but this bowl doesn't bring power conference That's teams. right. Um, it, it, and, and this is actually a better year. This bowl also has a tie-in with Conference USA next year. Conference USA looks a lot different than uh, than it did just a couple of years ago. So these are the years I think you have to kind of savor when you have the American as part of the uh, uh, the, the bowl tie-in. I honestly, um, I'd love to see UNLV here. You have a local, uh, you have local quarterback ties in Mayava. Yep, uh, Cameron Friel. From Kailua's been there as well, although he doesn't really play. He's been kind of trumped by uh, Brumfield and, and and then, of course, Mayava, who has done well. He's he's held that starting job. UNLV is a title contender um, in the Mountain West. I'd love to see them here. I think you would have some Vegas people who might reciprocate and travel from the Ninth Island to here because it's going to be colder uh, in Vegas than it would be here. I think you might get some people who who come over. I'd love to see a UNLV Memphis game. Mm. I I think you would get a whole ton of points. It might be a game that takes four hours to play. 
It's going to be played at 10.30 Eastern time. So for those uh, late-night insomniacs two days before Christmas while you're wrapping gifts and staying up while your wife is sleeping, here, perfect game for you. Wrapping gifts and watching the gift of touchdowns on a regular basis. I I, I believe that would be the best matchup this bowl could have. Hmm. If Without Hawaii, UNLV Memphis, I'll take that any day of the week. Hmm. Would you, not, wanna, would you want to see someone better? I'm not opposed to that. Okay. I'm, I'm certainly not opposed to that. I'm trying to think of another matchup in the uh, in the American. But, uh, you know, the, the ones that we played, we played Middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They came out here. Right. Um, beat those guys. I think and, they were Conference USA, though. Mm, and then the next Hawaii Bowl that we played in, actually the last one that we've played in was uh, against BYU. That's right. In 2019. Because BYU was not tied to a bowl. Yep. Uh, being an independent, um, I think they were the and or that year. Because BYU gets tied to different bowls every year. Yep. I think it's different now that they are part of the Big 12. Now they're part of the Big 12 bowl rotation, not yep. just like passed around to an ESPN events bowl. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously if BYU were here, that would create some, some memories and some, uh, some enemies for some, for <laughs> sure. Emonies is what I was about to say. Um, but yeah, you, you won't get that anymore. I think the only, the only way you might get something different is if the American doesn't have anybody. If they only have four teams, somebody's going to get, um, you know, some bowl or two will be left out of the rotation. Hmm. And other teams might have to fill that. Do bowls make money off of the TV revenue? Um... I don't think so. You know, a lot of it is is the tourism side. Uh, that's why you have a game in Bahamas, which isn't being played in the Bahamas because of a stadium renovation. Hmm. It's why you have a game here. The Really, the revenue, for, for example, I think the revenue out of this game is really more toward tourism. Um, you have the images of Waikiki. Yeah. You have Sun... You have the helicopter view over Diamond Head. Yep. It looks great when other places are in snow. And you, I, I don't remember the number I heard before, but I want to say you get close to like a million dollars in uh, in impressions yep. just by seeing all of that, not just during the Hawaii Bowl, the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl, but also the uh, Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic presented by the Hawaiian Islands, that you have all this like free advertising yep. on TV. I think it matters more for them. The game, I mean, the game really has to be supported by the ticket revenue and 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 that stuff. And that's where the game struggles when you don't have Hawaii because the ticket revenue isn't there. That's right. Um, and that's hard. You know, I, I do believe in years when Hawaii's not in it, the bowl deserves better. Mm-hmm. And I think ESPN Events has done a decent enough job to try to – you know, find matchups that can be, you know, suitable for TV, but I think good for people to 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 come to and say, hey, I I, I want to watch this game. Uh, it just hasn't worked out. I don't I don't remember the um, the attendance for the last one, but you I mean they never could really fill up Aloha Stadium. They never really could fill up the Clarence T C Ching Athletics Complex last time they played. So it's you know it's it's hard 
I realize. Um, last matchup, by the way, was Middle Tennessee and San Diego State, and that was a good game. 25-23 was, uh, was that game. But I, the, the best matchup they've had recently, I mean, you had um, you know Fresno State and Houston back in 2017, Oregon and Boise back on December 24th of 2013. So they've had uh, Oregon State and Boise State, not Oregon and Boise, I'm sorry. Hmm. But they've they've had some good – Notre Dame was here in 2008. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. Jimmy Clausen's year, Golden Tate was playing. Yep. And Notre Dame crushed Hawaii 49-21. to 21. But, you know, Notre Dame as an independent was uh, was able to be a part of that game. You know, that was that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hawaii Bulls got the right affiliations. Yes. I believe. Um now it's just the slotting of the right teams. The the Mount the the Hawaii Bowl, the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl is considered on the lower tier of the bowls in in the conference because upper tier is LA Bowl, and then after that you've got uh, famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Yep. In fact, name me a bowl, and uh, you tell me if it is a. Uh, you tell me, I'll tell you if that bowl is aligned with uh, a Mountain West team. Pop Tart Bowl. Pop-Tart Bowl. Uh, I don't believe the Pop-Tart Bowl is aligned with the Mountain West team. Okay. Tony the Tiger. Tony the Tiger is the Sun Bowl. Uh, no, that's uh, two power conference teams. Oh, dang it. <laughs> okay. You, you just wanted to say Pop-Tart Bowl, and you just wanted to reference Tony the Tiger. Of course. The, and it served as a golden opportunity to do so. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. That was not bad. Thank you. Um... I got to be honest with you. I love college football. Outside of the big boys, I don't really have a lot of knowledge off the top of my head of some of the bowls. New Mexico Bowl. Oh, yeah. We played in that one. When it was in Frisco, Texas. One of the few feathers that uh, Graham could put in his cap before he uh, rode off into the sunset. Speaking of Texas, the Scooter's Coffee Frisco Bowl. See that one? That's a new one to me. There we go. Um, Along with the uh, Bad Brothers Mo Bowl pinstripes. That's in New not York. a Mountain West one. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a new one for some. Boise State NIU, uh, famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Boise State NIU is a projection for that game. Well, and they similar to the Hawaii Bowl, they want Boise in that one. Yeah, and then uh, the Servco first, first Responder Bowl in uh, Dallas, Texas, is the other one. Okay, and and oh yeah, Barstool Arizona Sports Bowl. The Barstool Sports. I'm sorry, Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. That was the bowl that one year had two Mountain West teams playing in it because that's all they could get. Interesting. The the game you can only watch on Barstool Sports. Mm. Um, they have a projection of Utah State being there. Before the bowl season, I'm interested to see how they're going to shake up Mountain West Championship. This is the first year without divisions. That's right. I'm just curious how they're going to select that. Well, and I that mean, whole process, and I think there's tiebreakers if you have a tie, okay. um, you know, out, outside of or that would determine berths. I, I don't have the tiebreaker procedures in front of me, but I know they have them. Mm. I mean, right now you have legitimately four or five teams that could that could get two slots. I mean, Air, Air Force hasn't guaranteed its spot yet, but I they probably could with one or with one more win. Uh, but the logjam is for that second spot. You know, I, I, I think you'd have a similar process if it were, um, you know, a tie for a division, then same thing. You you know, you'd, you'd have your tiebreaker procedure for that. But um, 
I, I think I like it. You know, I, I know we're going through this for the first time, but I love it. I love the fact that we're not tied to divisions. Yes. That, air, you know, uh, let's say you had Air Force and Boise, two mountain division teams previously, that you'll know that you have the two best teams in your conference playing for a championship, and the best one for sure is going to the LA Bowl presented by Gronk or hosted by Gronk. Yeah, and that and that to me is is a win win because you know you're sending your best, not uh, not anything else. So I I I appreciate that. Uh, we'll go to your text line coming up in a little bit. Don't forget the Timmy Chang show is Wednesday night, six o'clock Ruby Tuesday at the Moana Lua Shopping Center. Uh, we'll find out all the good things from Saturday against Nevada and, of course, look ahead to military night against Air Force on Saturday. Uh, check it out. It's, uh, it's Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. You can watch the replay on K-High Thursday night. Traffic coming up. It's off the bench. ESPN Honolulu. Coming up. I don't know if you uh, woke up early for the uh, game in Frankfurt. Dolphins Chiefs, game of the year of the week, played at 4.30 in the morning Hawaii time. Hunter Hughes, were you awake? No. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> why not? Sorry, uh, I, I have to ask. I need to get, a, get an understanding as to why you weren't awake for the biggest game of the year of the week. Um... I slept well knowing that Hawaii won on Saturday. <laughs> well played. <laughs> you uh, you thought I wouldn't be awake. I remember that when we had that That's conversation right. last week. And um, I wasn't awake until about 13 and a half minutes left in the first quarter. Okay. I was up. It was about 4.45 in the morning. I uh, I was awake for a brief period of time. And then I fell asleep. And then, uh, and and then I woke up again <laughs> about third mid third quarter because mid third quarter it was like six o'clock, which is you know much it, it's much better when uh, when the clock change uh, when the clock changes yeah and um, you know it's instead of a three thirty a.m. game it's a four thirty a.m. game so by the time you wake up you're catching the good stuff, um, but coming up can you judge the Miami Dolphins? For its three losses this year, in whether we talk about this team as one of the best teams in the National Football League. And I'll just preface you. Their three losses, Buffalo, Philadelphia, Kansas City. And all three of them away from Miami. Because Kansas City was a game that was played in Frankfurt, Germany. So we'll talk about that coming up. Um, in in just a little while, we haven't really gotten as much to Hawaii football this hour, except for the uh, the, the Mountain West Power Rankings that we usually do. But uh, I, I did want to get a, a final word in on Hawaii football for the hour. We'll get we'll get back to it coming up the next hour. Um, I, I was happy for Jacob Yoro. Yeah, on Saturday. Yep, me too. He has been much maligned. Mm-hmm. I, I think for. Uh, the way the defense has performed, um, you know, when when people call for other people to lose their jobs, and it has happened, we have heard it on the fans' voice, we have seen it from the uh, the keyboard warriors that his name has come up more than anybody's. Uh, 
And I understand when you see the defensive numbers, um, you know, I, I see why people would feel that way. This is one game, and I realize it is one game. But his job and his team's job in game planning to silence Nevada was well done. And I think credit, I didn't feel like there was a lot of credit given after the game for that. I know we talked about it at the beginning of the show. But I feel like credit um, is due for uh, a much-needed job that they had to do when they have struggled all year to do certain things like stop the run. Yes. I Again, we, we talked about it earlier in this show. that it, it, it has to be said that it was a combination of Nevada being one of the worst teams in our conference, but Hawaii definitely rising to the occasion and not quitting. That, right. that, that, that was really the... The biggest thing on my curiosity list for watching that game on Saturday was, are we are we just going to fold over and die for the rest of the season? Or are we going to find something to band together for? And at times, Josh, that defense looked inspiring. Yeah. Honestly. Absolutely. They, they were a lot of fun to watch this last Saturday. Um and also, I think it's. I think it needs to be said that the offense did a halfway decent job controlling controlling the ball and keeping the defense off the field. Right. So it that aids to the defense playing well, also because that they weren't left to kind of pick up the slack that the offense left out there. Um, for it, it seemed to me like it was a well balanced approach for Hawaii football. And yeah, yeah, credit to Coach Yoro. Um this was one of those odd oddball anomaly moments of the season where we shut out a team in the first half and didn't have to make a whole lot of second second half adjustments. Right. Nevada put in a brand new quarterback and that's gonna throw any D coordinator for a loop when you game plan for one guy, and then they make a complete personnel change who has a completely different set of uh, giftings behind center. Um, and then they started to mount a little bit of a, of a comeback. Um, good thing that we were able to kind of band together and, and finish finish the job. You know, the other thing, we, we spend so much time on, on defense. I We haven't talked enough about offense from uh, from this last week. And We'll we'll do this coming up next hour because there's one thing in particular that I think we gotta we gotta give a little bit of love for. I thought the passing game was okay, um, but I think we gotta give credit where credit is due. Hawaii ran the football. Hawaii ran the football. They did, and uh, they had nearly a hundred yards of rushing in that first half. What was it? Ninety nine? I think it was. It was ninety nine or ninety three, and. They tripled Nevada's output on that, and that was good to see. It was needed for Hawaii to be able to do that, and and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that because it was like the perfect storm of things that hadn't been done that happened. Yeah. Again, you could say some of it was based on Nevada. You could say some of it was was based on Hawaii and what it did. So we'll spend some time a little bit on that later. H Camp, visit uh, HawaiiConcussionAwareness.com. Sports Center next.
Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. We're, we're all very aware, and we knew going into the game, uh, that, you know, if we're going to lose, what, what the narrative would be. And that's fair. We shouldn't feel entitled to high opinions from the masses. As long as you continue to get better, ultimately, that narrative will s- subside. But that's on us collectively, um, from coaches and players alike. If you want the narrative to change, um, change the narrative. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. You know, one thing I love about Miami Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel is that, um, you know, he really doesn't give a lot of excuses. He's kind of his own guy. He kind of does his own thing. But, you know, he said that after the game on um, on Sunday in which they lost to Kansas City. He was asked about the narrative of this team not being able to win the big game. Dolphins lose in Kansas City 21-14 to to a Tonga Vailoa throwing for a buck 93 and a touchdown. Tyreek Hill at eight catches, but he was asked about drops after the game, to which he said, you know, they, they happened. But let me give you the Dolphins' resume, and I, and I want to see if um, you can judge this team based on their resume. Three losses. Again, the, the, uh, the conversation about losing the big game. Buffalo, yep. 48-20, to 20, it's, on, it's a road game. Uh, Philadelphia, we saw them uh, play in the Super Bowl. We saw them beat Dallas. Boy, that was a weird ending. Yeah. Uh, 31 to 17 in Philly. So again, a road game, double digit loss on the road. Kansas City, this is in Frankfurt, Germany, 21 to 14. Their wins against the Chargers, sub 500. We're watching them right now. The Patriots, who are two and seven. The Denver Broncos, not good. That's um, right. The New York, <laughs> the New York Giants, not good. No. The Carolina Panthers, horrible, not good, uh, and then the Patriots again. So their their wins, they don't have a single win against a team right now that has a 500 record or better. Yet all three of their losses are to teams that do. So can you judge this team for? not being able to win a big game. Is that a is, is that a fair thing to say? Uh well, I think it's also worth saying that they didn't uh necessarily have much to say about who they would play in their schedule. Mm-hmm. True. And how those teams were gonna play or not. Uh you hear coaches say all the time it's hard to win in this league. Mm-hmm. Um That's uh, that's tricky. I don't know. I you know we're we're still at the uh, front half, probably right at the the midway point through the NFL season right now. Um, I still consider the Miami Dolphins one of the better teams. Top three, top five. Um, you have a you have a top. We haven't done this in a while either. No, and um, there's there's usually a reason why we don't. Yeah, you know it's it's fluctuated um, at. At times, I thought unquestionably it was the 49ers. They've definitely plateaued. Yeah. Um, right now, it, it feels to me like it's between the Chiefs and the Eagles, almost like a, a recap of the Super Bowl. Right. Like, those are the two teams to me, just week in, week out. And 
man, come playoff time, the the Chiefs are the new Patriots to me. They've they know how to win. They've got a phenomenal coach. They're, they're internally a well-oiled machine and have the necessary stud characters in place for that for that building to stand. Um, where in a lot of ways, this Miami team is an exciting thing, but it's but it's kind of an experiment, Josh. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll I'll give you this too. The next time that the uh, that the tennis, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, the Miami Dolphins play a team that has a 500 record or better. It's the New York Jets. That's hmm. if that's if their record holds right now. Uh, the Jets are above 500. They could fall to 500 with a loss today to the Los Angeles Chargers, and they are losing right now to the Los Angeles Chargers. And that Jets game is in what a month? That's like five weeks from now. Hmm. Between that, uh, well, actually, no. They have the Jets twice. They have, they have the Jets in uh, 18 days. Raiders, Commanders, Titans are in there, but they could very well face the New York Jets with uh, a 500 record or better. After that, then the murderers rode toward the end of the year. Dallas, Baltimore, Buffalo. To me, Buffalo is the one because okay. it, it's going to be between those two for the AFC East title. Uh-huh. And Buffalo has already got them once. Yeah, Miami still has the uh, the, the best record in the division. That's the other thing. The, the Bills are third in the division. Because New York's four and three record four and has three. a second, yep, which is still it's it's weird that that we'll see what happens to and that. that. Similar to Hawaii, you don't know which Buffalo team you're going to get on a week in week out basis. Yeah, they take weeks off. It seems like so. I I can judge Miami for um, you know the not winning a big game thing because um, you you got to beat the teams that are on your schedule and 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 they have they've done a good job of that. But you gotta, if you want to be considered a top three team, then you've got to beat a top team. Yeah. And that's something Miami hasn't done. I'll, I'll give you a couple of other parallels. Is that Tua Tonga Vailoa has not necessarily been the most productive in each of those three losses. He's thrown only one touchdown in each of those three games. Um, Kansas City, he went 21 of 34 for 193 yards. Mm. Which is, that's not a lot. For a big play offense, um, you cannot have a quarterback that is throwing, let's say, you know, less than 250 a game, I believe. Uh, you know, and the, the one time it was different was when he threw for 282 at Buffalo and lost 48 to 20. Um, but a big play offense means you have to have a big play quarterback in those games. And when he's not playing big, or um, he's not having one of those kinds of games, um, you see the results kind of align with that, which is uh, which is a little concerning. Mm. I don't I don't think any less of Tua because I do believe he is an amazing quarterback, and I don't want this to be a discussion. Is you know how good is Tua? Blah blah blah. But go by the numbers, and you can see the output. And in those games, his numbers are average to decently good but in that offense he needs to be great every week yes there's arguably more pressure on 
Tua in an offense than any other quarterback. They're not running the ball all that well. Mostert has kind of hit kind of a plateau as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And if Tyreek's dropping the ball, they're they're kind of hamstrung there. Right. Or if he's fumbling the ball, they can lose a game, That's which right. is exactly what happened this last Sunday. Um, I, I still want to uh, look at the, the Miami Dolphins through an optimistic lens, though, because we're, we're only halfway through the season. And, and this game, this Miami game, or, or I'm sorry, this Chargers-Jets game completes the halfway point in an 18-week year. There we go. Can't believe it. We're already at the midway point Whew, of the year. That flew by. Um the biggest component for Tua since the injury has always been that question on what if he could stay healthy? Mm-hmm. What if he could stay healthy for a whole season? What would that look like for the Miami Dolphins? That's still out there. Yeah. He's- Although, you know, I, I will say I haven't thought of that this year. His health hasn't crossed my mind. Um, and, and I don't think it's because... It's a Homer point of view, I guess. I just haven't watched a game of his and thought, oh, okay, you know, I, I, I hope he doesn't take the next hit. I feel like that's kind of passed me by. Yeah. I, maybe maybe for you it's different. Well, I, I think just in comparison where the injury halted so much last year of what we thought we were going to get on, for a lot of people, what they hoped they were going to get from mm-hmm. the Miami Dolphins. And without Tua, they're not the same team. That was kind of where I was headed with that. Gotcha. Um, and with that being said, and we still have half the games remaining in this season, hopefully if he remains healthy, who knows where they're going to be in eight more weeks. Yeah. You know? Uh, let's say hi to Rick, who's uh, hanging on very patiently. Rick, how's it going? Hey, Josh. How are you, Hunter? How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Yourself? So here's, here's my thing, man. You guys are talking about the Dolphins lose big games. I kind of understand what you mean, but the bottom line is, what big game? These are all regular season games. So, isn't the goal to get into the playoffs and from there anything happens? And then the last question is, what's the last team that went undefeated and won the Super Bowl? (laughs) The, uh, what, 72 Dolphins? There you go. So, I mean, and, you know, and and haven't we had teams that win the Super Bowl that had three, four losses already? Oh, yeah. So, I understand what you guys are saying, the big games. You know, Buffalo, you know, they had a lot of injuries. Philadelphia, they're good. Kansas City, they're playing in Germany, man, across the world, different time zone, even if they've been there a year. So, uh, been there a week. You know, so, to me... These are just regular season games. They're trucking away, and they're learning about themselves to yet. And the bottom line is get into the playoffs, and then when it's win or go home, then you can, to me, that's when you can really judge them. I hear you. Hey, Rick, thank you for calling in. He Thanks, can, uh, Rick. He can go back to watching James Harden play. Uh, he's a good oh, receiver. we're going to shave. We're going to shave him if he's going to that's our Clippers fan Rick calling in. <laughs> See, here's the thing, though. I, I do believe regular season games are big games. I truly believe that. That, you know, you don't you want to get the best seating you possibly can in the postseason. We want to make sure that the regular season matters. And so, you know, you don't want to be a 
three or a four seed. You don't want to find yourself in a wild card scenario. Yep. I if you could be the number one seed, great. I you know I don't I don't think that's really in the cards for him now, but. Um, I believe regular season games are big games, and I yeah. think you have to treat them as such. And that I think is a is a fair uh, a fair concern half half of a season in. Yeah, divisional matchups are always going to be big. Yeah, um, I'm talking to a Packer fan. Yes, that's anytime true. our teams play each other, that's a big game. Yes, we hate each other. Yes, um, so big can be emotional significance. It could be season significance um but then you 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 can't tell me that a game against the broncos feels or weighs the same as a game against the chiefs correct if you want to be one of the better teams in the nfl playing the chiefs is going to give you a much better temperature reading on your team on how you stack up than if you're playing the broncos Mm -hmm. or they played carolina I can't get any read on how you are if you're playing Carolina. That's unless right. Unless you're indie. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And that was this weekend. That too. Um, but uh, I do hear what he's what he's saying, and I think that was also my kind of my point with the Chiefs, where teams that have found a way to win know how to keep winning. And the thing about Kansas City, they're different. Like and I, and I'm not saying they're different because Patrick Mahomes is you know is is an amazing quarterback. They're different because they're winning differently. Yeah. Like Mahomes is not going to throw like 40 touchdowns this year. Nope. Um, they're winning games by scoring 21 points, which means to yep. me, uh, defense. That's right. And Kelsey cited it as the best defense he's ever played with. Yes. And you know they've only scored. 30 or more twice this year. And that was against, sorry, Chicago. Yep. It doesn't surprise me. <laughs> and uh and the Los Angeles Chargers. And and, and they're you not know the same high-powered offense like when they had Tyreek. Right. And you know what? Good teams find other ways to win if your offense is going to do it. Remember Eric Bieniemy's gone as well. Yep. Keep that in mind. Um you know, he's in Washington so their offense does look and feel a tad bit different. That's that's why I reference the Patriots. Mm-hmm. If you look at all the different Patriots years, the different tools they had on offense, it wasn't like it was Brady Gronk all those years. Right. You know, there were some years they had Wes Welker, some years they had Edelman, <laughs> that one year when they had Moss and they almost Knocked off Rick's 72 uh, Miami Dolphins. They almost became the next undefeated team to win the Super Bowl. They lost in the big game. Yeah. Um, but a uh, solid couple of um, couple of pieces at quarterback and various other positions, and then a phenomenal coach, whether it's on the defensive side or in uh, um, Kansas City's case, a phenomenal play caller. You're, you're going to be in a position to win a lot of football games. Uh, we'll go to the Zephyr Insurance text line coming up in a little bit, and then um, just after the bottom of the hour, we haven't really talked about Hawaii's offense all that much, like maybe for a good 90 seconds. Oops. I mean, hey, defense did its job. Uh, we got to give the defense the time and the credit it's due, which I think we've done. Um, but let's face it, everybody loves offense. So uh, we'll talk about offense coming up in just a little bit. Uh, the Craig Angeles Show, it's on a special uh, night this week. It is a uh, Thursday night 
over at Velocity in Honolulu. It is uh, made possible by JN Chevrolet and uh, HCAMP, the Hawaii Concussion Awareness Management Program. You want to get the latest on University of Hawaii Athletics? Well, Craig will deliver. And that's uh, coming up this Thursday at 6. Uh, it is Off the Bench here on ESPN Honolulu. All right, uh, Hawaii's offense. We're going to give you some love coming up in uh, in 10 minutes. Our uh, Zephyr Insurance text line, I want to recognize Wesley texting into us, says, uh, Aloha, Mr. Pacheco and Mr. Hughes. Good Aloha. show tonight. Man, we got misters in front of us. That's right. I feel, like, I feel like we're wearing suits. <laughs> we're not. Just wanted to mention the Wahine Volleyball Parking in Delore Campus Friday and Saturday suddenly changed signage to passes, and or a credit card, I think is what he means by CC. Slow going, traffic backed up to Dole Street. Previous mix of credit card, cash of $7, move the cars. Fortunately, I come from the Westbound University off-ramp that previously was cash only per signage. Mahalo, Wesley. I don't know of the change in policy on that or if, you know, whatever they're doing going forward. Um I can tell you my experience because we went on uh, Saturday night and we were coming. I mean, we were we were probably we probably got in uh, off the off ramp going westbound. That takes you right into the university, probably about like twenty five minutes before first serve. Mm. And so we're waiting. There's a line. Um, it was a big night against UC Santa Barbara. Understandable, and. So we're waiting in line. We get closer to the end of that curve off that off-ramp that gets you right in. And so that far right right lane, there's a worker who's got her uh, portable, I guess, credit card machine with her. Yep. And was holding up the line because she had the portable machine. And you're looking in the front and you're looking at the booth. There's nobody at the booth. Uh. While the other lines... You've got people in the booth. They're going down. They're, you know, the lines are slowly moving, but they're moving. And the lady who was taking the credit card machine stuff was holding up the line. So if you're coming off the freeway side, you yep. can move. You're stuck. And so it yep. backs up the line onto the freeway because, again, nobody's moving. Totally. Um, I don't know about the whole credit card cash thing, although I will say that's going to become a norm more and more and more wherever you go. Because more places, kind of like airplanes, want to be cashless environments, which makes sense because they believe, and and I agree, that, um, you know, you want things to move quick. So a tap of the card or a swipe or better yet, and I I don't know if they're doing this, but, you know, what they're doing with UH football, buying your parking passes online, I think makes a, a whole bunch of sense. Um, I've, you know, what I've done when we go on the road for, um, baseball and other stuff, yeah. I'm trying to see what my, my time is, <laughs> is, um, they usually have an app, like things like park mobile and stuff like that. And I still have them on my phone from like going to games. And usually you, um, you, you buy your parking on the app, you park in the stall that's designated or you park in that lot and, you know, it, you, you put the license plate in and you're good. You just go in and park and you make sure that you've paid. Mm-hmm. If you haven't paid, goodbye to your car. But, you know, you just do it all in the app and there's nobody that is, um, 
There, there's nobody. There's no line to have to go through. Nothing like that. So I, I don't yeah. know. I, I, I think a lot of it on Friday and Saturday was probably demand because demand for those matches was really high. And uh, I think because of that, that led to maybe a, a little longer wait for people uh, to park, which I understand. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, you know, hopefully you were able to get it. It's, we missed first serve because of you know waiting in that long line to try to get it. But, I, hey, I get it. Uh, upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt since 1936. Pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island-wide or at Kahala.com. We met the guy from Kahala. Uh, That's at, right. Uh, Damian Iolani on Friday night. Tom, right? That's right. Yeah. Listener of the show. What's up, Tom? Hey, Tom. Uh, traffic Sports Center on the way. It's off the bench. ESPN Honolulu. All right, we'll give some love to uh, Hawaii football's offense in a little bit. And uh, we do need to address the Verdell Edwards thing yep. from, um, from from what happened on Saturday. And yep. no, not um, not to what one caller earlier said, it was okay for him to... Uh, Jaw with a ref. Yeah. Or get in what the caller said, get in the ref's face. We nope. don't condone that. Nope. Fred, thank you for calling in. How are you this afternoon? Watching the Hawaiian news now, about 435. Uh, this is a, there was a burglary in Nuuanu, and somebody took a Big West women's basketball championship ring and had pictures of four, uh, pictures of maybe one ring, or I don't know how many was stolen. So I can shed some insight on that. And Fred, thank you for thank you for calling in. So here's here's apparently what happened. Um, this happened to our own Callan Spiller. And by the way, I say our own Callan Spiller because uh, she's now our analyst for uh, Rainbow Wahine basketball broadcast. Mm. Awesome on uh, on opening night, by the way. So uh, I guess this happened, and I, I I won't share all the details just because I don't know what's uh, what's what's allowed to go out or not. But basically, there were people at their apartment, I guess it was, and um, they managed to rob the apartment. And robbing the apartment included taking the championship rings that she so rightfully earned as a member of the Rainbow Wahine basketball teams, both of them. So, um, yeah, uh, I I know that uh, Hawaii News Now had the story. I know... um, Another news outlet is uh, working on on one as well. This is becoming kind of a uh, a big story. I don't I don't know what I'm allowed to share just because I you know I I, I yeah. heard it from Callan herself and I don't want to get too far ahead of um, you know what they might talk about. But that's uh, apparently how it happened, where these individuals um, were basically I think they were guests, hmm. and then. Rob the place. Dang. Uh, really unfortunate. I hope that uh, they're able to find those uh, those championship rings, and uh, if they can, that uh, they are returned to her because again, she earned them. And uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. Really, really unfortunate. Between that and a threatening email sent to the University of Hawaii Wahine volleyball staff threatening the team. I mean, they're separating. I don't want to lump them together, but just, sure. just honestly, um, sickening. 
Some people are really sickening. <laughs> let's uh, let, let's get to Hawaii football. We didn't talk a lot about offense, and and part of why we didn't talk about a lot about offense from this game is because the defense actually stood out. The, Commanded our attention. They did. Um, when everybody was doubting that defense, they came up and were really the catalyst for why Hawaii won that game. But let's give the offense, um, you know, some of the conversation here. Let's let's talk a little bit about the running game. One of the things that Hawaii has not had a lot of a running game, and it showed up on Saturday against Nevada. Did you notice anything in particular that? Um, allowed the running game to be an active part of of Hawaii's win? Yeah, I mean, it didn't seem like Nevada offered all that much of a push on the defensive side. And with that, our O-line looked fantastic. Um, that's been kind of the, the tale for, for Hawaii this year has been having a vulnerable offensive line and obviously uh uh and honestly excuse me a vulnerable defense as well mm -hmm. and both units looked pretty good and um you know credit to them uh they were uh they were assignment solid on Saturday um first couple of plays uh Landon Sims was able to get around the edge on the outside. And Landon, we're not talking about a speedster necessarily. We're no. talking about Landon Sims. We're talking about North and South, third down back, who we need to go out there and drop a shoulder on somebody. Right. That's, that's his job. Um, and then from there, it seemed like Braden was comfortable taking what the defense gave him. Um, first part of that game, Shager was pulling – pulling down the rock and running. Uh, if they gave him an open look, he was not afraid to tote the rock a little bit and go run. Right. Which anytime a QB runs, that jolts the entire team. If he's not afraid to go out and take a hit, um, it really bodes well for the entire team. So that, that helped him a lot. And if you're worried about him getting out of the pocket, it will create more space over the middle which he later found for some touchdowns. So it just it looked solid, Josh. Um, I don't think uh, our team or our coaching staff would would say that it was a great day offensively. Agreed. Um, it felt like there was a lot still left out there, um, a lot that we still could have probably accomplished. But at the end of the day, we didn't turn the ball over. We did what we were supposed to do and did just enough to put us in a position to win. That's the thing is for everybody that just gets so caught up on points or critical, right? That you got to do, uh, you know, it's you could put up 40 points and it could be done in, in probably not the most efficient fashion, but if you are, um, if 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 you are methodically good, you know if you're if you're not sloppy, you're protecting your quarterback. Yeah. You're creating good rushing lanes. If you are if you are doing the things that would allow you to win, even if it's not like a forty to fourteen game, to me that's as good, because I want you to be disciplined. Discipline isn't always about whether you're being a hothead or not. If you're doing the if you're taking care of your assignments, 
that to me tells me you put in your work. Yep. And, um, you know, the, the big play can be deceiving sometimes. You yeah. do it this way, it, it works out. It almost seemed to me also, and I might be 100% wrong here. That's why I'm I'm wanting to make sure that's, that's said. It seemed like to me play calling midway through the fourth quarter was to control the clock. Mm-hmm. And which UH, makes sense. Yeah, UH was in the driver's seat. We had, I think, at that that time, a uh, like a seventeen point lead on Nevada, and there was no reason to even take shots to give Nevada an opportunity, who was already kind of surging through that that third quarter, yeah. to claw their way back into that ball game. Um, I'm bringing that up because the play calling was noticeably different at that point in the game. And might have left some things out there that had the circumstances been a little bit different and we continued to take shots, we might have scored some more. But at the end of the day, the dub. The dub is what's important. And we got that done. Um, Tip of the cap to that coaching staff. And, you know, we talked about it earlier. And maybe this is the good, uh, good kind of transition to what we wanted to talk about. Timmy pulling that huddle together and calling everybody up to the standard that they wanted to call the team to. I, I really feel like this game was won um, or secured. That's the better way. Mm-hmm. The, the game was secured by that huddle um, that Timmy did uh, right after the Vertal Edwards uh, ejection in the third quarter. And I kind of wanted to transition to that. This uh, is not a jump on Vertel Edwards' uh uh, opportunity for people to call in and say anything about <laughs> right, right. Uh, how dare number 23, blah, 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 blah. Vertal Edwards is a great kid. Great kid. I know him personally. Um, I've seen him throughout uh, his time at University of Hawaii become the leader that he is and hold other teammates to standards that they themselves aren't holding themselves to. I watched that two weeks ago in that uh, stretch of very difficult practices. He was one of the vocal guys holding guys to a standard. He's considered a leader. Absolutely. Um, there's, uh, there's a line from uh, Shawshank Redemption that says, every man has its breaking point. Mm-hmm. If you're one of those guys being leaned on as a leader and being the standard setter for everybody else, Week in, week out, practice in, practice out, game in, game out, and you don't feel like you're one being seen, being heard, guys aren't there with you, it gets old. I've been there in a different capacity, but I've been there where you can see the quit in the locker room and guys aren't wanting to be there. And it's uh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating when you're one of those guys. That, that This was an out-of-character moment for him that I know he would want back. I know that he would. Um, but football is an incredibly physical and emotional game. And riding that line is, uh, is, is, is difficult. I've, uh, I just wanted that to kind of be known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not as simple as kick him off the team. Or suspend him, or do something like that. Uh, that, that that's up to the staff. That's and of up- course, this is the the reaction that we kind of heard that's after right. after that game. Mm-hmm. It's it's bigger than that. You have to consider some personalities are so integral to the team 
and keeping other guys in check, in line, and inspired for the rest of the season, it's not as easy as he did that he's done for the rest of the year. Yeah. And there were other things done earlier in the year, and those guys are still on the team. Right. So it, it just each guy on a, on a football team is held with a different sort of weight than others, and it's a tricky thing. I mean, and and I, I don't want anybody to get this wrong. You're not condoning no. what happened. Oh, yeah. I'm not condoning what happened. Maybe that's a refresher from the, the, the first segment. Yeah. Uh, never am I condoning to get in a ref's face. Right, right. Ever. It, it's a horrible look. Horrible look for you as an individual. Horrible for the team that you represent. Mm-hmm. It, all across the board, no. I think the point being is that, you know, one instance, and I don't recall anything else that he's done unless no. I'm just completely missing something, but one instance doesn't mean, hey, goodbye, you're off the team. Yep. Punishment, fine. You want to punish him? Sure, go yep. you know, go for it because you can't have that going on, and I'm sure we won't know what that is, and and that's fine. You know, team will do what a team's got to do. Yep. Um, but anything more than that is is just kind of based on an emotional level, right? It it did help lead to a touchdown. The two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Sure, I love how we forget, you know, a bit too. We do forget that um, there was a muffed punt. Yeah that led to that field position. We kind of forget that, right? Yep. Um, so yeah, two plays before that. Yeah, and, and that gets kind of ignored because of the, you know, unsportsmanlike take, stuff. Taking taken to thought the emotion that that defense just went through. They got a stop, forced a punt. Nevada switches the field and then they muff the punt in Nevada's territory. Right. And you got to go right back out there and try to play your best. That that's hard. It is. That is hard to do. Let's get uh, Junior in here real quick. Junior, how are you? Great weekend, guys. Main thing is we got the monkey off our backs. Amen. And now we can proceed. We can proceed forward, you know. But uh, thank you for Hunter's perspective because most of us went to Little League, maybe play some Pop Warner, lucky enough to play JV or varsity, but to play college football, and uh, we're talking a team game, like both of you guys said. And um, we don't know what's going in the locker room. And this guy's a team captain. And we all lose it sometimes. But through our perspectives, we have to forgive. We have to see the situation. And right now, we just have to play and say, hey, we did it. We can do it again. And let's be positive against Air Force because Air Force lost a tough game against Army. And even though Air Force has been ranked, hey, Hawaii can do it as long as they play together, play as a team, listen to the coaches, have faith. And that's the main thing, faith, F-A-I-T-H. And that's what I think that if uh, Timmy and the coaching staff can come together and say we're not perfect, but let's do it as a team, one family, one ohana, and make Hawaii proud. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great day. Thanks for calling in, Thanks, Junior. Junior. All right, uh, final words coming up in a little bit, including uh, one of them on uh, what we saw Friday night between Damian and Iolani, uh, which determined who was representing the ILH in the state tournament in Division One. That coming up after traffic. It's off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. <laughs> Thank you.
Final words uh, here in just a second. Uh, Monday Night Football is on our sister station, CBS 1500. 20-6, Chargers up on the New York Jets, and it looks like I will not be hitting my mark to win uh, fantasy this week. Somewhere Tanner Hayworth is laughing. Yeah, um, I needed 24 from Austin Eckler. He's dropped about four passes today. And we knew that was steep. It, it was. Um, I am 10 away. Um, but, you know, they're going to be running the football a lot here up by 14 with six and a half to go. Um, there could possibly be a, cha- uh, a chance, maybe. So uh, so we'll see. But uh, uh, but right now, it's uh, it's not looking very good. Uh, we did uh, Damian E. Yolani yes. on Friday night. That was fun. Phenomenal game. 42-37. Uh, Damien with the win. Um, and 90% of those points were scored in the first half. That's right. That was just like bananas <laughs> of a game. There's a little bit of controversy there toward the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, Iolani was knocking on the door in the uh, final couple of minutes. A couple of plays toward the end um, doomed their chances of going to the state tournament, which they had been every year since, I want to say, 2016. Um, there was a play, uh, uh, what looked like a catch, yep. back of the end zone. Kamakane um, had caught it. They ruled him out of bounds. We got to see video um, that actually looked like he was inbounds. He got a foot in before getting out. That would have gotten him within a point. Then they'd have to make the determination on whether they they go for the extra point or go for two. The other one was a little tougher. It was a catch. On a fourth down play, it was caught like about the one-yard line. Receiver tried to reach across the goal line. Ball did come free. This is with like six seconds on the clock. Yes. The question was, uh, did he have possession before he went down and crossed the plane to the goal line? Couldn't tell. To to give you guys perspective, it looked just like the Super Bowl play when the Mm. Titans player tried to stretch across the goal line. And then someone knocked the ball free. It looked just like that. Yeah. Really tough. Um, Two really, really tough plays. And I know there's more criticism for the first one we mentioned rather than the second. But um, both of those teams would have been great in the state tournament. Unfortunately, only one can go. And uh, Damien is going. Congratulations to uh, Bones Tuitele and their team. uh, They will open up um, at Pearl City. I No, I'm sorry. Uh, they're opening up at Kaiser for their uh, first-round matchup on uh, Saturday, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the six teams go for the uh, Division One state tournament. They open up against uh, Farrington at Kaiser, 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Final words, Hunter. Go for it. Uh, I'll keep it with football. Uh, I've got some beef with how the NFL is coming down on roughing just playing rough football okay because as it is with pretty much anything the pendulum swings a little too far in one one direction it has gone too far okay on the soft side um deandre swift was fined almost ten thousand dollars for what they're calling unnecessary roughness for dropping his shoulder on a linebacker trying to hit him I saw that. What do you want him to do? We're playing football. They have pads on. They all sign releases. 
And just because it's a hard hit does not equal getting a concussion. Mm-hmm. I've gotten hit very hard. <laughs> and not all of them uh, resulted in concussions. Right. I know that the NFL is playing a, a, a tricky game here. They're They're trying to ride that invisible line of – our game is still safe right. with the public, but let me let you in. Let me let you in on a secret: the public likes that it's not safe. <laughs> we like watching people get hit. It's fun. Those my final words. All right. Uh, reminder: M Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market bring you pigskin picks. You can play that online at ESPNHonolulu.com every week. We'll see you tomorrow. Sean Merriman tomorrow. Coach Arnold Martinez tomorrow. Uh, Coming up next, it's Brotherhood, Pride, Tradition, and Excellence.